The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is Awan, the only, the hairiest Sasquatch of them all. Tammy Underwood, say hi, damn. Hi, everybody. All right, so today, today is a whodunit Wednesday. Dun, dun, dun. Whodunit. Who did it, Scott? Who did it? I did. I'll admit it. I was the man on the grassy knoll. Did you kill Jimmy Hoffa? I did. Did you give Jimmy Jones the poison? That po- Some of that poison is still in my closet, and uh, Jimmy Hoffa's uh, buried up underneath my bed. Is he underneath your bed? Yeah. You know, got to keep him there for safekeeping. You know? <laughs> You'd be surprised when I masturbate, too. Oh, my God! Stop! <laughs> my son is in the studio today. Okay. You'd be surprised when I masturbate, too. <laughs> Should I talk to him instead? I... <laughs> No, you're embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty easy with me. All right, so today, boys and girls, I'm going to be doing the Servant Girl Annihilator, a.k.a. the Axeman of Austin and the Midnight Murderer, which wow. that has to be my favorite moniker. The Midnight Murderer? Right, because yeah. it makes sense because most of his crimes happen, to, you know, he's like yeah. around midnight and it's dark and he's, <clears throat> you know, fucking people up in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. It almost sounds like that would be a great metal band to go see, actually. Where are you going to go see, Scott? The Midnight Murderers. How fucking sweet. <laughs> new band name. There you new go. Band name. There you go. That's, that's going to be my new music project yep, right there. There you go. Austin, Texas is the capital of Texas. It is? It is. It's surprising. Wow. You know what? I learn something new every day. Tomorrow, it's the ABCs. But today, we're working <laughs> with Austin. It has a great music scene there. It's all. It all started. This all started about September twenty fourth of eighteen eighty four in Austin, Texas. This was when Austin would receive a horrible Christmas gift from a madman. Austin, God, freaking get my god dang reading eyes in my head. <laughs> You'd swear I'm drunk, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Austin had a big boom in their population, going from just a few thousand to over 20,000 residents and growing. Now, this is, comes about, but you'll find out why. It became the capital of Texas in 1938 after the capital had been moved from Houston, Texas. The city of Austin was originally named Waterloo, Texas, and it was renamed in honor, in honor of Stephen F. Austin. Waterloo? Waterloo, yeah. Huh. There's a Waterloo, Iowa, too. I know that. I'm from there. I know. And they're calling you back. No, I'm not the idiot that they're looking for. (laughs) This is not the moron you're looking for. I am (laughs) not the idiot you are looking for. (laughs) (laughs) With the boom in population, of course, came uh, with it a huge rise in crime. The worst part was that law enforcement was really just a ragtag bunch of guys trying to deal with the worsening issue that came with a population boom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to imagine, they're going from like this old west town, you know. You know, the, the, the sheriff's probably always drunk all the time because, you know, everybody drinks. Well, did then. Well, Texas, yeah. Yeah, because they, they drink and carry guns. <laughs> what could go wrong? I got a friend of mine, Sue, and she lives in uh, just outside of Dallas, and I always... Uh, teaser, when you Texans are born, don't they just hand you a gun? I like said that to you, remember? As soon as you're born? <laughs> she said, eh, probably, yeah. I said that to you when you said, I got guns. I said, isn't that what's supposed to happen when you're from the South? Aren't you born with a gun in your hand? Yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> All right, so the body of Molly Smith was, uh, was, oh, that should be, would be, God damn it. 
I love that we don't edit anything out of here because, you know, why? I edit. <laughs> would be the first in a string of murders that, would, that, was, that were dubbed the Servant Girl Murders or the, or the Servant Girl Annihilator. Molly Smith had been dragged from her home to the backyard where she was assaulted and murdered with an axe. And by assaulted, I mean she, she was raped. You're gonna, uh, right. But that became, uh, I didn't catch on to that until further into my research. Cause all, no, because all of them are going like this. Going, no. She was assaulted. Oh, yeah, usually that in place just beat up. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking, well, okay, beat the shit out of her and then murdered her. That's fucked up, you know. But uh, I guess a lot of the uh, sources that I'm using were afraid to use the R word. Oh, that could be from back then, yeah. We can't say the word rape because somebody might get offended and then well, their, their their panties will get wet. Well, and then when you it's also terrible. think about it, though, that the victim pool and stuff, that's a very touchy subject down in the South. Uh, it is. It, it is, you know. Um, well, not so much now, but it definitely oh, was well, back then. Oh, I know then. back then is what I meant. Yeah, because, you know, fucking Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, assaulted. Okay, with well, the next. Uh, no one knew that she would be the first in a string of killings that would last a year and go unsolved. These murders uh, would also earn a few other names, such as uh, names as the killings kept happening. I'm tripping over my tongue today. Fuck me running. These killings would also be America's first documented serial killings. America's first documented? America's first documented. What year was that? Uh, 1884 through 1885. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's at least what all the sources that I've read said. No, I, I thought it, I thought it was H.H. H. Holmes. He was in the 1900s, early 1900s. Yeah, the, okay. it, was the, it was the World Fair in Chicago. Oh, shit, that's right. Okay. Don't do drugs, kids, because then your fucking brain gets all mush like mine. Yeah, and then there's even some theory out there that he wasn't a serial killer at all, which I'm looking into. Maybe he was a serial puzzle maker, and he's like, I'm going to fuck people up with my hotel and just make big puzzles. See if they can get out? Yeah, pretty much. I want to escape. I want to go to an escape room with you. A lot of times I want you, you to escape, me, too. <laughs> Shut up, asshole. But here you are. <laughs> Leave the damn door open. You won't run away. Okay, so that was a that, that was a Christmas gift that Austin, Texas yeah. gets, right? Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's like Merry Christmas, Austin. I'm gonna leave a dead body right here and we're gonna fuck you guys up. Yeah. Because your police force is a fucking joke. Yeah. It's like great, that's awesome. So soon after the new year started, Austin would see just what our killer was capable of. The following day, the Austin newspaper would post the headline A Midnight Murderer. And that's how we got the other moniker, which I think is brilliant for the time. Brilliant. Molly Smith was a living servant girl of a merchant named William Hall. Molly lived in a small place in the back of William Hall's home with her boyfriend, Walter Spencer. Now, Walter had been attacked while they were sleeping. So Mr. Mr. Hall uh, found her in the snow in the backyard, and she died from her injuries from the axe, right? Uh and uh, that was the same axe that was used on both her and Walter. Uh, and the axe actually got left behind. But, you know, this is before they had fingerprinting and DNA. And yeah. True. True. And all that happy horse shit. Like, they're not out, they're <laughs> not out there measuring shit. fucking footprints and shit and taking casts. How do you know? Were you there? Um, number one, it's Texas. <laughs> the, their first response to everything is, Get Yosemite Sam! Get your gun! <laughs> Shoot them all! 
It's like, dude, he just had a parking ticket. <laughs> Chill out, man. Dude, I won't I won't park here anymore. I'll feed the meter. Don't the fucking shoot at me, homie. Jesus. <laughs> now, get out of Texas. <laughs> we don't park that way. Smell <laughs> like your kind. No, we don't like your kind. With your big belly and your pierced ears and your tattoos and your shaved head. <laughs> See, you told me I couldn't make racial comments anymore. <laughs> now I'm just picking on Texas. You proud of yourself? I just ruined that whole market for us. Hope you're happy. Bye, Texas. <laughs> Germany, you know you're next, right? Coming after you next like I often do. So a few months after the horrible attacks on Molly, the killer would strike again. This time he would, he would attack two servant girls that had just come over from Sweden. Oh, wow. Yeah. Clara Strand and Christine Martinson were walking home together on March 19th of, of 1885. They were also attacked with an axe, but they both survived. And they were some of the lucky ones. Wow. Yeah. With that said, not much is known about this attack because it wasn't brought to the cops' attention at the time. It was actually discovered after all the murders were done. Wow. They said, wait a minute. I... A guy with an axe, he attacked us too. You know what's really weird though? Because, and it, I just put this together because I'll be honest, I wasn't listening in the beginning. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> you never listen to me. I'm trying to help you finish this other one too. I could be over here showing you my butthole and you don't pay attention to me. <laughs> That's why I don't listen. No. Um, when I first looked into this one, because this one was supposed to be mine, I thought they were all of African American descent. Maybe they're African American Swedens. I don't know. Well, you know. Maybe they were slaves in Sweden, and somebody UPSed them over here. You know, kind of like you would uh, use farm FedEx, equipment. FedEx Air? Yeah, use farm equipment over here. And, uh... What? That wasn't even a racial comment! <laughs> I didn't say anything! I just looked at you! You gave me the look! <laughs> I always give you that look. Jesus like, Christ! No, I look at you Boys like that. Girls, I'm always in trouble. I didn't Jesus. say anything. I just looked at you thinking, oh, my God, he's going to say something, and I have to think fast what I can say to deflect it. And I always say that because maybe they, they, they were using farms over there, and they're like, hey, we're going to ship you over here yeah, and fucking awful. be servant people. Mail I don't know. Well, they did that to the Irish, so. There you go. They did that to the Irish. And why is it that I can make slavery jokes about the Irish and nobody gives a shit, doesn't want to pull our stuff? Irish. Well, that could be that, too. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. I should be able to talk about the Mexicans, too, because my first ex-wife's a Mexican. Well, there you go. I should get immunity from those two races. All I have to do is date an Asian and a black chick, and then I got almost everything covered. But we already talked about your one black friend. Got more than one black, black friend. How do I know? I've never seen you. I have never seen you with anybody other than a white person, Scott. It's because I have them avoid you. They're all afraid of you because they're like, oh, look, Sasquatches are known to bite and they have rabies. So, there you go. I have not bit you yet, but give me a minute. It healed up. I was going to say, what the fuck happened? What are you looking at? <laughs> I never bit you. All right, back on track. Eliza Shelley would be the next victim of this insane madman. On May 6th of 1885, Eliza lived in a small cabin behind the home of Dr. Lucian Johnson with her three kids. Oh. This is the one that I think is the most fucked up, so we'll go with that. Yeah. So Dr. Johnson was awakened in the middle of the night to the sound of screaming. By the time he arrived at Eliza's small cabin, it was way too late. Eliza had been attacked with 
with what the police assumed was an axe because he didn't leave it behind this time. But there's a parallel, if you think about the axe thing with the axe murder of Nolans. Yeah. There's definitely a parallel there. Yeah. But we're going to get into another parallel in just a little bit. I was going to say, are they the same time, like, time era? I don't remember when the... I can look it up real yeah, quick. we're going to look that one up. Okay, so... Uh, she'd also been attacked... Uh, with another weapon as well, leaving small puncture wounds on her body. Neither of the weapons were recovered. And that's what I said about the axe and the small puncture right. woundy thingy. No, these were in 1918. He'd be a long-lived motherfucker. Yeah, so... Maybe he... Well, we're, we're going to talk about London in a little bit, and then we're going to jump back, and we'll, we'll get into that shit. All right. Um, I'm going to turn around and do the hokey pokey. <laughs> with my pants down. Please don't. <laughs> Eliza was sharing a bed with uh, her young son. Her son said that he was awakened to a man standing over him and his mother. Uh, he was thrown to the floor and covered with a blanket and told to stay there and don't say a word. Wow. So at least this killer's got some class. You're not like murdering kids. So with that said, kudos, dude, because it's fucked up what you did, but at least you're not killing kids. Right. He was found by Dr. Johnson because of the tiny little footprints that were left in blood. The child, being so young, wasn't able to give the police a very, very much information about the killer at all. He basically said it was uh, he saw a black guy with his pants rolled up. That narrowed it down. Yeah, it's like, wow, that's a good... Why don't you bring me more stories like that? Because that was descriptive. So they come arrest you? Yeah, because I'm the suspect on everything. I know. I live in Vancouver, and Vancouver PD hates me. <laughs> I don't know why. Me neither. I'm just such a peach. Yeah. You're Rhea. so lovable. I'm a real fucking sunshine. <laughs> okay. On May 23rd of 1885, Irene Cross was attacked. She was a servant who lived in a small cottage with her son, uh, uh, Washington Cross. God damn, that just threw my brain off because that's like two last names. And her nephew, Douglas Brown. Irene was stabbed in the head so many times that at first the police thought that she'd been scalped. Wow. Yeah. Douglas was in the cottage uh, the night of the attack, and he gave the police their first lead. Okay, I guess this was the one. Okay, so that the, the kid didn't actually say shit. It's Douglas that gave him their first lead. I ah. thought that he had said it, and I just didn't write it down. There you go. Uh, gave him their first lead in the case. He said it was a chunky Negro man. Spotify, don't yank my stuff. It actually, that's, that, that was his description, okay? It, that was his description. It'll be okay, Scott. Spotify. <laughs> a chunky Negro man with his pant legs rolled up. Wow. Irene also, uh, had also had her arms removed with a knife during the attack. Ouch. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? Especially a knife. Yeah. That would take a lot of power. That takes quick work, too. Yeah. To be able to joint them like that. Like, not joint like smoking, but joint them like a chicken. No, that tells me that there's some, you know, butchery or anatomical knowledge. You keep that in mind, because we're going to get into that in a little bit. The police had had very little to go on. They had one witness, but not a very good description of the suspect. Right, because it's a Negro guy with his pant legs. That's chunky. That's, that's you know. There you go. That's that's probably like a quarter of the town. Yeah. <clears throat> the city was 
freaking out knowing that they had a killer in their midst as well. Meanwhile, the media was doing what they have always done. The newspapers were publishing stories about the madman and keeping him in the, in the forefront of everybody's mind. That's good. Side note. <laughs> Side note. I want to add that I can totally understand why the newspapers kept publishing the stories about the killer. The murderer, the murderer, the murders were over the over the top violent in nature. Mm-hmm. No one had known what a serial killer was at the time, uh, especially while in Austin, Texas. Uh, and it, in Austin, Texas, they already had a, their share of violence. But it was mostly like things like domestic violence and shootings and. I was gonna say, yeah. It, you know, it's a cowboy town. Yeehaw! Let's beat our wife, but not on the courthouse yeah. steps. And plus, you know, they had a unknown person that they're hunting down, uh, murdering people that are employed as servants. So you yeah, know, that can't be very good. That's no bueno. I mean, in that, well, even in that era, I mean, because we always talk about the throwaways, right? You know, but in that era, why would you know, I wouldn't even think a servant person would be a throwaway because that's the era where they were very common. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. You know. Exactly. All right. So let's get back to this. After the Irene Cross murder, the attacks just stopped. A week went by, then a month, and the citizens of Austin eh, began to feel a sense of ease. They're like, hey, I guess this fucking psychopath is gone. The killer must have been caught, killed, or maybe, you know, he moved somewhere else and he's doing things over there. But he's not here and we're happy. After a few months had passed, the citizens of Austin breathed a great sigh of relief as they once again began to feel, began to feel safe in their own town. That was until August of 1885, when Austin, Texas would once again be struck by the, what also called, the Moonlight Murderer. Moonlight. On August 31st of 1885, Rebecca Ramsey and her 11-year-old daughter, Mary, had gone to bed. So, you know, they're sleeping. They're like, you know, hey, been a day. Let's go night-night. Because I like night-night, too. They shared a bed together, and they lived in the servants' quarters behind a livery stable that was owned by Valentine Weed. I love that name. Valentine Weed? Valentine Weed. Yeah, it's almost February fourteenth. It's almost <laughs> Valentine's Day. Uh, should make a little. You know little what? Everybody could use a little weed. Yeah, right. <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's, that's good times, man. Rebecca awoke to find that uh, that as she slept, she had been struck in the head with something, and that she was bleeding. As she regained consciousness, she then discovered that her eleven-year-old daughter Mary was missing. Rebecca and Mary would be the fourth and fifth victims of this monster that had once again reared his head to shed the blood of more innocent servants. Rebecca survived the attack. However, Mary, the 11-year-old, was found in a nearby alleyway. And you know she was killed, right? Well, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, here's the kind of fucked up part. This is where I started actually hating this killer. Mary had been raped before she was killed, and both of her ears had been punctured with a sharp object, you know, like Norris and Bittaker. Once again, the police brought out the bloodhounds in an attempt to track down the person who, uh, who slayed young Mary. And it didn't, it proved to be bullshit because, you know, 
Okay, a little off subject. Uh, don't you ever find it weird that we can find so many killers that are similar but different? I think it's one big killer, and he's like uh, got his own union card for the killers union. With, uh, that has lasted all these dec- centuries? Dracula, man. Oh, okay. He's like freaking well, no, immortal. I was just, because it just dawned on me, because I was like, you know, there are so many like things that we can pull up from one case that we can always refer to another case. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Similarities. It's just really weird to me. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I have yet to find an original. The citizens of Austin were once again in fear of what was to come next from this monster that moved like a wraith in the night. You like that? I love your analogy. You probably got it from somebody. Nope. That's all me, baby. Whatever. (laughs) And I didn't even have to show you my butthole. On September 28th of 1885, this axe-wielding madman would claim two more victims, making them his sixth and seventh victims. Wow. Grace Vance and her boyfriend, get ready for this name, Orange Washington. Awesome! Named him after a fruit and a color. (laughs) It's awesome. Left behind William Dunham in in a small shack on his property. The night that they were attacked, they had two house guests staying over for the night, Lucinda Body and Patsy Gibson. They were both sleeping on the floor for the night. The owner of the property, William Dunham, was awakened from his sleep to the sounds of screaming and the sound of breaking glass. He ran to find out, you know, basically, what's going on? What's the matter? What's happening? What he found was a horrific scene of carnage. When Mr. Dunham arrived on the scene, he found that Grace Vance had been raped and killed with a rock. Wow. So at least he changed up his M.O. He's still still doing some raping. Well, and not just that, but a rock is, like, even more brutal than an axe, I would think. Oh, no, totally. You know, because there's more, yeah. Maybe he couldn't find another axe. Like, the hardware store was like, we're out of axes. (coughs) And I don't mean the body wash. Lucinda Body, this is going to sound weird. Lucinda Body's body <laughs> was found in the front yard. She had been raped and killed as well. Orange Washington, I can't just say that with a straight face, had been struck <laughs> with the axe, uh, and it didn't. That axe didn't belong to the Dunham property. Right. So that's a confusing part right there. Killed one with a rock, killed the other with the axe. So apparently, between killing one with a rock... He found an axe. He found an axe that what didn't belong to the property. Like he said, Okay, hey, so he brought an axe but didn't use it to kill the first one. I think he went, okay, okay, Orange, wait right here. I got something in my carriage. Hold I'll be, on. I'll be right back. <laughs> Hold on. Just, just, no, time, time, time me out. That's, that's, that's same, same. <laughs> And he went and got an axe and, you know, kind of fucked him up. Uh, okay, so let's send his body. Orange Washington died from his injuries shortly after the attack. I'm not sure what happened to, Pat, Pat, to Patsy Gibson, by the way. It didn't say shit about her. What? what? Nothing I can find. <coughs> That's weird. I went through several sources and nobody just said, like hey. She just vanished. Like, Patsy looked out and said, oh, it's a fucking psycho killing everybody. I'm gone. <laughs> Ghost. I'm well, it's like, okay, here. so they mention her, but then nobody knows what happens to her. Yeah, nobody knows what happens. She just she disappears. She's like, mm, this is too much of a party for me. Did she go into your room? <laughs> Next to I notice a lot of people don't come out of there, Scott. Oh, and when they do, they're not the same. <laughs> don't I know it. 
Hey, I got something for you. <laughs> Your, watch this. Uranus. Uranus after my room. Yeah, you like that? While you're eating? Yeah. I'm going to throw the fuck up. You're welcome. <laughs> Nine days passed, then the Marshal of Austin, Grooms Lee, fucking names, man, recommended that they increase patrols of the city as well as put more cops Wait, on the streets. Grooms as in wife and groom? Yeah. Lee. Lee. L-E-E? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's nine days after this, right, though? And that's what I just said. He, uh, nine days later, he goes, hey, we need to increase patrols and put more cops on the street after nine fucking days. Yeah. Me personally, I would think the second that he reared his head again, I'd be like, motherfuckers, we need to all band together and get this guy. Yeah. But nine days later, apparently he was in a drunken stupor or something. He went, we're in Texas. I'm going to be drunk all the time. Well, I'm surprised they didn't have a posse mounted waiting. <laughs> no shit. That's Texas. They should have called in. Walker. Walker. <laughs> The Texas Ranger, we that's right. <laughs> but no. Fucked up on that one, Austin. So me myself though, seriously, I feel like this is a little bit too uh too little too late. Oh, Calling yeah. it in the 90s later. That's stupid. During the month of October through the early part of November, over a dozen arrests were made, but they were all for naught. And because there was nothing to link them to the killings. So to add to the chaos, the newspaper had posted headlines that read Things like the crime will remain a mystery and their guilty authors will retain the secret. Yeah, weird shit. Like cryptic shit from the newspapers from the Austin yeah. newspapers. That's one of those things that you need a decoder ring to figure out. Well, you know. It seemed that the victim pool of our killers was carefully curated, having selected mostly black servants who lived in on or near the place of which they worked. This, this little fact struck fear into the hearts of the black servant community, while at the same time offering up some comfort to the white servant community as they were not, you know, they, that, that wasn't his normal victim. Right. So they're, they're like, oh, sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're fine. He's not after us. White motherfuckers. Weird. The sense of safety for the white folks would prove to be false hope. Because on December 24th of 1885, Moses Hancock woke up with a feeling of just dread. He saw that his wife Susan was not, wasn't in bed with him. He searched the house and then he went outside and that's where he found his wife Susan. She was in the backyard. She had been raped and struck with an axe. And she laid there on the ground bleeding and just clinging to life. So he freaks out, right? He's calling out for his neighbors, and one of his neighbors comes over, gets gets their attention, and he helps uh, he helps him carry Susan into their parlor. Right. Unfortunately, Susan died shortly a short time later due to the axe wounds that that she'd received from our unknown madman. Yeah. While detectives were checking out the bloody crime scene at the Hancock house, word was brought to the detectives that another woman, Eula Phillips, Phillips, the wife of a famous architect, James Phillips, was missing and the scene was just covered in blood. When they arrived, the detectives found the lifeless nude body of Eula Phillips in the backyard of the Phillips home. She had been bludgeoned with a piece of wood. So changed it up again. He got a woody. Yeah, you like that one? No? No. Okay. He two by four. Try try again, Scott. Oh. Sometimes it's hard to get wood. 
What do you want from me? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Walking the plank took a whole different Stop uh, field talking. <laughs> She's white and from Texas. I can make fun of them. They won't pull me off of Spotify. <laughs> you know what? I tried to tell you that so you would tone it down, <laughs> not use it as ammo. Oh no. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on somebody else at the end of this show with a story I haven't even told you from today. Oh shit. So anywho, after Eula Phillips, uh, you know, died because she was bludgeoned with a piece of wood, the killings just stopped again. Right. So as time went on, suspects in the murders uh, between 1884 and 1885 were questioned, arrested, tried, and convicted. However, all the convictions were overturned and thrown out because they didn't have enough evidence. The Austin police were left without any answers at all. And within a few months of the last murder, the citizens of Austin, uh, convinced that the killer had left the area once again, just stopped talking about the murders. And within a year, they stopped living in fear. So if you ignore it, it'll go away. Pretty much. That's, that kind of that's kind of like what I did with my gonorrhea. <laughs> I love doing that to you. I've never had gonorrhea. <laughs> But it doesn't work with my son. <laughs> Just ignore me. He's still, he's still here. So I can't ignore you and it doesn't work? <laughs> no. <sighs> Good to know. No. I'm, I'm kind of like herpes. I'm, I'm on you forever. You're like a hemorrhoid. You're a pain in my ass and I can't get rid of you. <laughs> you make my butthole bleed. <laughs> Spit and determination. Sorry. So the Austin statement stopped writing about the murders uh, and the events kind of just faded into Texas history like a ghost from the past. Right. So there's many theories regarding the perpetrator of the murders that have been proposed by researchers and criminologists and profilers and then jackasses like me over the last 130 years. One, one theory says that the murders were committed by a pair of killers. Um, what the fu- pair oh, of? A, a pair of killers. Okay, because you said para. And I was like, what? What the fuck is a para killer? Now I get it. A para to of a para. <laughs> I forgot that we were still learning Southern. Oh God. Is it always a lesson? <laughs> it's always a lesson. Now I know. <laughs> Anywho's, one says that there's a pair of killers, a pair of killers, and theorized that it took at least two people to move the victim so quickly and quietly. Another theory claims that just some random drifter, not a citizen of Austin, um, is who murdered the innocent victims. And I call bullshit on that. I call that bullshit one. on that, too. It's obvious it was somebody who right, knew the area. Drifters aren't going to be out there going, hey, no. I'm planning out the crime of the century, right? No. Well, several researchers... And if it was a drifter, there wouldn't have been that many victims in that town. Oh, yeah, totally. So, Several researchers have put forward their own perpetrators and thoughts into it and, and shit like that, right? But the most interesting of all theories came out about 100 years later. It suggested based on compelling evidence and circumstances that Jack the Ripper of the infamous 1888 London murders used Austin, Texas as a proving ground for his murders. And that's where that medical precision comes in. The, the Austin X murderer case remains a mystery and might remain so forever. So, wait a minute. So, they're trying to say that Jack the Ripper attacked in Austin... And then went over to England? Right. And I saw, I saw, uh, see it on a documentary to read it. I can't remember because, you know, don't do drugs. Um, that there was, they, they suspected this cotton merchant who was, lived in London, 
but would come to Texas all the time uh, to do business. Oh. So it could have been him, and apparently he had some background with medical shit or something. I don't, I can't, I can't remember. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I mean, because if you just think about it, it's like, why would he come over here, do these murders, and then go over there? It made no sense. But if, if you have that tie-in, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. He's got a reason to be here. He's kind of using Austin as a as a proving ground. Then he goes home, and he's like, I'm going to kill hookers. Yeah. Because that's when he probably would have realized it'd be easier to get away with killing. Oh, totally. People in that lifestyle, you know. That special lifestyle. Well, because they're at risk anyways, so. Right. Uh, they're, you know, servants and And nobody really and... cares when a hooker goes missing, really. Oh, don't even get me on my soapbox on that one. I know. it pisses me I'm off. I'm just saying it. society in general. It's, you know. Matter of fact, the only police force that ever I've ever seen act quickly on, on when hookers get killed is Rochester, New York. Yeah, we've seen that quite a bit with Rochester. Yeah, like with uh, uh, yeah. Shawcross. Mm-hmm. As soon as like two hookers disappeared, they go, hey, we got a fucking problem. They also did that down in Dallas with um, Charles Albright, the eyeball killer. Oh, okay, remember yeah. how yeah, the yeah. the uh, those two police officers, beat officers, were going around because they had the hook book. Where I they thought you were going to say beat off? No, <laughs> the beat officers because they had already they were they patrolled the the streets anyways. You know the red light district anyways. Right. So they had a hook book, so they noticed when things were going on with the hookers, which you know, and they tried to warn them there is a killer out here. Be you know, protect yourself, get off the streets, and yeah. So I saw it then sense. too, but usually you don't see it. Yeah, usually like I think L.A. has to be the worst. For that, because oh, LA's horrible. Every fucking case that we've covered were oh yeah prostitutes. Look in, at all the Southside Slayers we had because there was there's like five of them who had that moniker. Remember, because yep. we did it with um, Lonnie Franklin Jr. Yep, the you Grim did. Sleeper. Um, for all that whole thing, it was like I mean they didn't even try to look for the killer. No, it's a hooker. Nobody yeah, cares. nobody cared. And it's fucked up because as I said before, you know that. That hooker has a family. Exactly. That's you know? how I look at it, too. Everybody has a mother, or if they are not a mother or sister, you know what I mean? They have somebody who cares. Right. That's why the Cleveland Torso one tore me up, because it's like only two of them were identified. It's like, that tore me up. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up shit. Do you have anything yeah. you want to add to this shit? No. Well, I did have a thought, but, you know, it was just one of my things. That it's like, you know, with these unsolved ones, you uh-huh. always want, do you ever wonder if a spouse had heard about the murders and then, like, offed his wife to try to pass Often. it off? Often. Because I thought about that when you said that what's his name found his wife in the backyard. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Susan here is getting pretty fucking mouthy. <laughs> she burnt my chicken again. She keeps burning uh, chicken, and she keeps looking at my friend Bob. And I'm not cross-eyed. in Georgia, so I can't beat her ass. That's right. We're not in the great state of Georgia, so I can't just take her to the courthouse steps on a Sunday and beat her <laughs> and hand my ice cream cone to somebody else because you don't put that in your back pocket. That's that. That's a crime. That's, that's actually on the fucking books. I know it is. I'm the one that read it to you. Fucking awesome. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, so that's what I, I mean. That's just a thought I got in my head. Just yeah, maybe, maybe he's sitting there. Maybe Hancock was sitting there going, oh, "I think I got some killing to do." That's right, and I got an, I got a good way to do it. <laughs> we got a madman running around. I'm just gonna ice her because God, yeah, just, she nags all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what I mean. That's why that one kind of like bothered me too, because it's like, you know, because granted they weren't high society, so right, nothing was really. Done, because it's they eventually just like you know what? Let's just not talk about it. It'll go away. Yeah, and that's exactly what so. they did. They just said adios, pitch nachos, and that was it. Yeah, it's like put a freaking gag order on everybody. And <laughs> don't talk about it. But, yeah, yeah, I just 
I wish that honestly, even in today's day and age and uh, this day and age and society that people would value others lives no matter what they do you know granted i i hate the homeless i absolutely fuck because all the garbage yeah i was gonna say i don't hate the homeless i just hate what it's doing to our city right when you know there's alternatives that could have been put in place way better than what both of our governors have done let us not talk about that one (laughs) yeah because between inslee and kate brown jesus fucking christ so check this out I had a, uh, and, and this is what I promised you guys that I'm going to explain what happened I'm to me afraid. today. I'm afraid. I was on this app called Neighborly. And you communicate with your neighbors, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, I know. And I loved it. So I posted my story about I'm a 13-year-old stuck in a 48-year-old's body, right? There was nothing sexual in there, by the way. I told it exactly like I told it to you. And they permanently deactivated my account. Because... Uh, we don't we don't appreciate sexually explicit stuff. There's nothing sexually explicit in there. Like at oh all. Oh my god, are you serious? I'm dead serious. I have the email sitting right here. So if you're on neighborly, keep that in mind. You can't even talk about laughing at things that you found in a book. You can't even laugh about going to the bathroom and making a kid throw up from the stench. I didn't even tell him about that oh. one. Oh, you were talking about the book. The book. Okay. You know, the, the, the parts. And I, I think what they're trying to point out, which I think is lame, is, and I actually wrote this. It says, then the narrator said, I've been in tighter holes than this. And I started to laugh. And then he said, um, if the shaft is too long, I'll pull out. And I started to laugh even harder. Nothing sexual in there, except for a little bit of innuendo and how my brain processes it. But yeah. nothing sexually explicit. So, I'm going to form another account and tell everybody who follows my little stories and then i'm gonna post it on our website so neighborly the war's on fuck off <laughs> nah, we'll see who that wins is, this we got a good reach know, that's almost as reminiscent because remember when we developed that commercial for brutal nation oh yeah and then how facebook kept pulling it saying it was oh, politically motivated no and everything shit. i was like there is nothing political in this at all well i think neighborly's trying to wear facebook pants which are too big for him you know, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And yeah, uh, and Facebook to me, their algorithm is so screwed up, anyways. Because how do you take mugshots and yeah. make that political? That's right. It's all political. You know, Jesus. I just don't get it. It's not like I was saying, you know, abolish a death penalty. I was taking this girl named uh, Autumn, and she said the most brilliant thing. We were sitting in a truck stop. And uh, we're, we're, we're there, and it's just before Obama got elected. And you have all the rednecks in there going, well, I'm not going to uh, vote for him because he's the N-word. And da, da, yeah. da, 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 da. I didn't vote for him for way different reasons. I just think yeah, I didn't vote for him either because I didn't agree with his concepts. But she looked at me and she said, take a good listen. We're swimming in a sea of stupid. <laughs> and I said, huh, you know what? You're fucking right. Yeah. That's what you are. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you have the right to vote for whoever you want to, but when you oh, yeah. bring race into it, that's stupid. Yeah, and that was the only reason that the, I, those yeah. had 10 people talking I'm about I'm sorry. It. Let's look at what he stands for, what he wants to implement, what he wants to, you know what I mean? Yeah, there was way better reasons than his race. I don't, I don't care what anybody's race is if they run for, for president. I don't care their gender, their race, if they're transgender. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I'll tell you what. We need a woman president because a woman can get shit done. We just didn't need the one that ran. No. Women are too <laughs> emotional. Yeah. And they should be at home taking care of men. I'll take care of you all right. Oh, what? I can't say that either. <laughs> Spotify, don't pull me because that was a joke about women. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, no, my whole 
thing is, you know, like I said, come up with a different reason. I don't care if they're man, woman, you know, whatever. Right. But don't tell me it's you're not voting for them because of their race. That's ridiculous. Right. And that's what Autumn and I talked about that day uh, at, at, at a truck stop is we were just sitting there and we were, dude, there's way better reasons. This, 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 this. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm not doing it. His exactly. race has nothing to do with it. Yeah. If he was a white dude, like literally oh, yeah. white, and ran on that same platform, I'd yeah. be like, I'm not voting well, for it. And- don't get me started because look at freaking George Bush Sr. He ran on the platform of read my lips, no new taxes. Oh, I thought. And he... as soon as he was in office, he raised our fucking taxes. Oh, I thought his wife pointed down and said, read my lips, no more Bush. After she shaved. No? Bad? No? I do it? not want to think of Barbara Bush that way. <laughs> that was just, that was, You're you know welcome. what? The only person worse than thinking that about is the Queen of England, but my son's wish that bitch is dead. Nancy Pelosi. Oh, oh God! Think about Nancy Pelosi naked, no bra. Why nothing. are you doing this? To oh, me? wrinkly. Maybe some hairs growing on. I can't yeah. sleep tonight. Thanks. You're welcome. You can get nightmares. Fake me. I'm gonna stay overnight here and just sleep in your bed and snore and talk. No, because you talk and you snore like a gorilla with asthma driving through custard. I still think that it was brought on by me having to see your brown eye, <laughs> and it traumatized me. And I was up talking all night trying to process it and get it out of my head. Don't you turn my brown eye blue. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this shit we do. up. Jesus Christ. This has been Brutal Nation. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out our blogs on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you find your blog. Just type in at Brutal Nation. And by the way, if you're going to send us an email, you can you can tell me how fabulous I am because I'm way funnier than Tammy is. Way. By far. By far. You know what? My son's going to regret saying those words. I thought that he was raising his hand like he no, was in class he's got his earbuds and he can't hear us. Can you hear us? See? Exactly. Subtitles. That's because he needs <laughs> subtitles. Everybody needs subtitles. I need, if I had subtitles, see, then he would have heard me. But no. <laughs> Nobody gives me subtitles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Only because the FCC won't regulate them. <laughs> it would just be a bunch of asterisks. <laughs> it would be a bunch of asterisks and exclamation be like, points. And, and then more of that. Exactly. <laughs> and it would be like, beep. <laughs> huh? <laughs> we tra- Whatever. We Stop being so transcribed. technical. <laughs> yeah, we transcribe everything. <laughs> because, you know, if I, if I can tra- if I can traumatize the people who can hear and, 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 and what have not. Oh, my not, God, and, Lord, help those who can read. <laughs> yeah, if they can read, they get it all, baby. All of it. You know, it almost makes me wish I was deaf and blind. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I killed my son. Okay, I'm done. All right, we will see you guys tomorrow. Remember, this show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.